Didn't sound like the microphone there for a moment. I think it's working now. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. As we look at Mary's song, um, we're calling it a song. It's very poetic. We don't know that she sung it, uh, but she was very excited. And uh, I want us to take a moment to look at the lessons that we glean from this uh, that's known as the Magnificat or Magnificent. And uh, I want us to uh, consider this from verse 39 on through verse 56. We know that Mary has been visited by an angel. Uh, particularly, he's presented himself as Gabriel. And he let her know uh, that a plan had come from the ages and that she would bear a son and he would be the Lord. And she was excited about this news, needed to share this news, and she ran to Elizabeth, uh, her cousin. And here we pick up the narrative where she uh, went there and she spoke to Elizabeth. And you can imagine the excitement. Here's two women. Elizabeth had been barren for years. Uh, we looked at that last week, and we spoke about that last week, how uh, Elizabeth had not had any children. Uh, she and her husband had been praying for children. And when Zechariah was uh, in the temple, and he saw the angel, and the angel said, your prayer has been heard. You're going to have a son. And uh, he, he was, of course, wondered why that could, how that could be. And the angel said, well, you didn't believe me. You're going to be deaf. You're going to be silent uh, until this child is born. And he will be named John. Well, you can imagine the excitement. And Elizabeth is pregnant about five months along right now when Mary comes. And uh, she announces this news. She says, you're not going to believe this. But she did believe it. All right, and you're not going to believe this, but an angel came to me, said these things, and I believe this is true. And so I wanted to come, and I wanted to tell you, I wanted you to know what was going on. Here, Elizabeth is pregnant in her advanced years, already seeing and uh, sensing that God has shown great favor to her, and now she's hearing this news, and she's so excited. In Luke chapter 9, the same word is used. When Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration and there his disciples are uh, working diligently to cast out a spirit that they can't cast out. And when Jesus comes down, he, uh, the, uh, the father of this child comes to him in verse 38. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. For he's my only child. And the son would, uh, the spirit would seize him and he'd cry out and he'd have convulsions and he'd throw himself into the fire and all these different things. He said, look at my son. He wasn't asking Jesus just to put eyes on him. He wasn't asking Jesus to examine him as though he were a doctor. He was asking him to take special notice of his son. 
And he did. He said, I begged your disciples to cast it out. They couldn't do it. So he said, bring him here to me. And he cast him out, rebuked the unclean spirit. And look at verse 43, if you're there. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. Majesty, the mighty power of God. Most of those who were around probably had seen this child for uh, days or weeks or maybe even years going through these things. And now he sees this child, they see this child set free. They're attributing that to the mighty power of God worked through his son, Jesus Christ. Another place that we find this word used is in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John got in trouble for doing good, as is usually the case for Christians. They got in trouble for doing good. They had healed a a man, a lame man, and they had to go before the council, and um, they were commanded not to speak about him about Jesus anymore. And when they were released, they came and they told the people about it and they started praying. And they started giving thanks to God, you know, for their persecution. And, and, and in verse 29, it says this, And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Take special notice of their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I mention these things because I want you to see how this word is used. When it's used regarding God looking and taking special notice. And how he works. When he looks, he looks with the intent to exalt his name. What did they do when the boy was healed? They were in awe of the mighty works of God. What happened here in the prayer? Uh, Hey, Lord, you look to their threats. We're not going to pay attention to their threats. You look to their threats. And we're going to continue proclaiming the gospel. You give us boldness to do that. Accompanying God's attention. Is God's intentional action of accomplishing His will and His glory for His glory. And once again, we see it here with Mary. He looked in my humble estate, the humble estate of His servant. He's the God who sees, Hagar said, Elroy 
Another woman, by the way, who was pregnant at the time, when it was known she had conceived, she started looking at Sarah a little different. Sarah didn't like it at all, and Abraham said, she's yours, do what you want. So she treated her harshly. And Hagar ran away, and the Lord found Hagar. It says in Scripture, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Not as though he didn't know where she was. Found Hagar and said, what are you doing? Where are you going? I don't know, but my boss, she's not a nice lady. She really doesn't like that I've conceived. And the angel of the Lord said, you know what? You're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And his name's going to be Ishmael. And he's going to be a wild donkey of a man. Hey, ladies, how about that for a description of a child you're about to bear? You know? What do you think about that one? He's going to be a wild donkey of a man. He's going to be against people, and people are going to be against him. But I want you to know what the Lord did there in speaking to her. It convinced her, I'm going to go back and I'm going to take it for the sake of my child. God was doing something there. God had intent in that. The God who sees. God didn't go. When it says here, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. God wasn't scanning the world going, I wonder if I can find a virgin that I can use to bring my son into the world. And then come across Mary and go, I sure do. No, see, this is part of the eternal plan of God. He knew Mary before she was conceived. Just like he knew you before you were conceived. God's vision is from everlasting to everlasting. He always sees. He's always Seeing with the intent of acting and doing that which brings about his purpose and his glory. And he does it from the likes of you and me. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute because we're nothing special. Yeah, here you see. We're nothing special. God didn't say, boy, I... I, I tell you, I don't know if I can keep things going if Rick D's isn't on my team. We're not special in that there's something special about us that God chose us. He looked to her just as he has looked to you. God's vision is from everlasting to everlasting. When God sees, He sees the beginning and the end all at the same time. This should matter to us because 
Jesus Christ made sure to let us know before he left this earth. Speaking to the disciples in Matthew chapter 28. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you. I'm looking. I'm seeing. If he's with us, he can see us. And if he can see us, he's working supernaturally to bring about his purposes and his glories through us. The vision of God gives perpetual purpose to those who trust him. I mean, Mary points out, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And here we are talking about her now. You know, over 2,000 years later, here we are talking about Mary. We're going to remember her. No one would have known Mary apart from God revealing himself to her. No one would have known Mary apart from God's action and work. She wasn't at the right place at the right time. God sovereignly chose her. You know, there's a humbling thought in her saying, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. They're going to remember my name. Most of us will die and be forgotten in a single generation. Most all of us will die and be forgotten in a single generation. I know what you're thinking right now. Wow, Rick, I'm feeling all Christmassy now. Well, let me let you feel Christmassy here. If you have called on Christ and you've placed your faith in Him and you've repented of your sins, He will always remember you. And anybody else remembering you really doesn't matter. What matters is that the King of Kings remembers you. What matters is that the Lord God Himself remembers you. What matters is that you heard the gospel perhaps a thousand times before he opened your eyes to see and your ears to hear. And the only reason you're not spiritually blind and deaf is because God made you see and hear the gospel. What a beautiful thing it is to be born again and to be born of God. Notice what it says there. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. 
That's beautiful, isn't it? My soul magnifies the Lord. Just as He looks intently upon us to call us and to change us and to make us new, when He does that, when He works in those ways, look what happens. My soul magnifies the Lord. We become intentional and we look intentionally on Him. My soul rejoices. Don't you rejoice in that He's going to remember your name? Talk about something that ought to stir us up in worship and gratitude. He is so good. And He's good to us not because we're deserving. He's good to us because He's good and righteous and loving and true. He's good. And so we rejoice. So with God, the vision of God, that he looks to us, that he sees us, means that he is constantly working supernaturally in our life. Where he uses us. I mean, we look to the future. I mean, he sees and he redeems you. And you'll be remembered by him forever. But in a very real sense, that's kind of in the future, isn't it? What do we do now? How does that have an effect on me now? Well, he calls us to walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel. We can't do that except for his supernatural work in us. He calls us to Obey, to live in obedience, to obey His Word, to know His promises, to be devoted to Him and His ways. And He calls us to perpetuate the gospel, the faith. Then once delivered for the saints. To make known to another generation, the generation that's not going to remember us, we want to make sure they remember the gospel. That's how. Mary said he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. That's the vision of God. Let, let me move on to the strength of God. It's not all of it, but I've got to go to, I've got to get all three of them in, right? So, we not only see the vision of God, but we see the strength of God. Look what it says. She says, and he has shown strength with his arm. How? He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has shown strength with his arm. 
the strength is the supernatural might working of God. If not for God, the humble would be trampled over rather than exalted. I'm going to say that again. And you go noodle it later on this afternoon. If not for God, the humble would be trampled over rather than exalted. He speaks of the humble being exalted like she is and exalted those of humble estate. In our natural demeanor, we will squash the weak. That's just all there is to it. In our natural demeanor, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the grave. All right? Not the earth. Mary is bringing forward something that we see all through Scripture. That it's the weak, it's the reviled, it's those who are of humble estate that God raises up. Take, for instance, the second king of Israel. I mean, Saul legitimately was the first king. God said, anoint that one, you know. But it was David who had his heart. And y'all may remember, God said, man, I'm done with, with, with Saul. So Samuel, I want you to take up your staff, and I want you to get your beaker of oil, and I want you to go, and I'm going to show you a dude. I, I, I want to show you him. And he goes, and he narrows it down to the family of Jesse. And Jesse marches out as boys, you know. And the Lord says repeatedly, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. Samuel gets to the end of the line. He said, hey, Jesse, you got any more boys? He said, yeah. He said, David's out looking after the sheep. His own father didn't think that there was any need of bringing him in for the particular ceremony that they were looking into. And as soon as David walked up, send for him, I'll wait. As soon as David walked in, God said, rise up, anoint him. That's the guy. That one. If not for God, the humble would be trampled over rather than exalted. He's shown strength. He's scattered the proud. He's exalted the humble. You know, the strength of God's not visible in the proud, nor the mighty nor the wealthy. Instead, it's visible in the weak, the humble, and the hungry. How beautiful a painting can be painted of those who submit to the authority of God. Strength is seen 
in Messiah. I mean, Messiah. It's who they're waiting on, okay? It's who the Old Testament's waiting on. They're waiting on Messiah. I mean, prophets have spoken of him. I mean, what Moses, he, he, Moses told the people, hey, there's another one coming after me. Listen to him. I mean, they're waiting for this mighty Messiah to come. And he's laid in a manger. You feed livestock out of a manger, by the way. We've turned it into a cute little old thing, though, hadn't we? Huh? I mean, y'all saw the nativity scene back there, didn't you? I'm going to crush everybody right now. The wise men were not there. Read your Bible. You'll find out I'm right. I don't think the hay probably looked that great. But we kind of make it, you know, all nice and fluffy. Strength is seen in the mighty Messiah coming and sharing his first night on earth in a place fit for donkeys. Strength is seen in a working class carpenter who's also the maker of everything. We assume that he took on his father's trade as a carpenter. He was seen as the carpenter's son. That's often a title of apprenticeship, if you will. Because they knew Joseph's name. I mean, can you see him? Can you see Joseph? Taking his son and saying, look, I want you to know something. Look, this is the face wood right here. This is the grain. You want this grain to be up on your furniture, okay? Because the weather will start splitting this thing off. I want you to put that up like that. Can you imagine Joseph teaching Jesus? About how wood is shaped and worked and all that. Surely he wasn't thinking, you know, Dad, I, I made that. <laughs> Strength is seen in Christ, Messiah, being crucified in victory over sin. Not coming in, wielding a shield and a sword, taking down all the people that were in the way, going after Satan with means that we would use. But instead, this mighty Messiah came to be a suffering Savior on a cross. And there he bled and he died. That's strength. Where death is the thing that overcomes the shedding of blood of a righteous lamb of God 
We can count on the strength of God in our own life. We can count on it. We can count on the strength of God. One, He's seeing us, so He's working in us in a supernatural way. But we can count on Him working His strength in us. As we humble ourselves and submit to His authority. And as we recognize how terribly weak we are. As people. As sinners. And how wonderfully powerful He is. The last thing, let me get to it real quick. We see not only the vision of God and the strength of God, but the help of God. Look at verse 54. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. We see in that what that help is. And that help is that God is devoted to His own word and to His own promise to Abraham and the patriarchs and all those people. As well as say, he is, has helped his servant Israel. Help. Anti-lambano is the, the Greek word. Lambano is to take hold of. Anti is uh, in exchange, but in context, it is in front. Out, out in front, I'm taking hold. It's speaking of being in front or initiating the embrace. It's displaying the devotion of another. That's what this word is speaking of. He has helped. He is devoted. Sorry. The Olivia Newton-John song popped in my head. Hopelessly devoted to you. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. Especially when you're preaching. God's not hopelessly devoted. He is continually forever, never retracting his devotion to those who are his. Do you sense that? Do you know that to be true in your life? That he has redeemed you? He has looked on your humble estate and he has saved you. He has worked supernaturally to save you, redeem you, make you his own child. He is continually <clears throat> working out his strength in you and through you. Even though we're not worthy of it. And not only has he done those things. This help is speaking of his devotion of never changing his mind. Never turning away from his promise. Always doing what he said he will do. He has embraced us as his children. He is our help. He was the help of Israel, and He is our help. <laughs> I love that the Word of God tells us that He keeps us. Y'all ever think about that? I mean, we get stuff, we get new things, and we keep them for a little while. And then they wear out, or it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. You know? I mean, surely you've ordered some of those things off TV. They say it's like the greatest juicer in the world. 
and you get that thing, and man, you're, you're ready, and you're going, and it does one lemon, okay? And then it breaks, and you got nowhere to send it back to. You got nothing you can do with it. All you can do now, I mean, you were looking forward to some good juice out of that thing for a long time. You look at the bottom of it, and it says Mattel. You throw it away. I'm going to tell you, when God once looked at us and he saw an enemy, except that his son saved us and redeemed us, and he changed us. And I'm going to tell you something. He's never going to look at you as an enemy again. He's only going to look at you as a child. Say, Rick, you don't know, man. I know I'm saved, but I don't always walk like I should. I don't obey like I should. I don't live like I should. He's not changing his mind. He's devoted to you. And do you know why he's devoted to you? Because he's devoted to one more thing more than he's devoted to you. He's devoted to his own name. He said he would do it. And he has and he does not change his mind because of his own name. Because of his own glory. Because of his own goodness. What a great God we serve. And that's what Mary realized. My soul magnifies the Lord, she said. He's looked on me. He's strong. He's my help. And it just causes our soul to magnify. And to look to Him. And to praise Him. And to love Him with all of our heart. And I pray that's what you would see. That He's our Redeemer. And He's not going to change His mind. If he has saved you, if he has called you, and you have believed and you have repented, you're his. While we wait for his coming, live as his, remembering these three truths about God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you. We thank you, God, for the ways in which you have helped us. How you, Lord, have shown us that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. How, God, you have particularly looked and have done your will to save and to redeem. And, Lord, you didn't let the humble estate of Mary keep you from calling her as the one to bear the Savior. And Father, you didn't look at our status of enemies as anything that would prohibit you from redeeming us. We thank you. So God, 
as you've made us your own, cause us, Lord, to be more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. That the world would see our humility and they would see your glory and they would hear the good news and Lord, be changed. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.